We're on. Boys and girls, welcome back to uh, an interview I'm very excited for. We have Josh and Joel. How are you boys going? Good. Very good. Very good to be here. Uh, and you guys have been instrumental in the events over the past few days on the weekend uh, surrounding uh, the Christian Democratic Party. Um, yes. Now, people might have seen a few headlines, a few new, uh, little news clips, a few tweets from some, some characters, including Miranda Devine. Um, but Sam Rat said, he sent me a message, Josh, he also goes by, said, um, it'll be nice today to talk to a friendly camera. And so after these developments, he's been in the media, Joel's been involved. And so I want to hear from you guys, what are the developments that have happened and, and what's been going on the past couple of days? Well, a lot. Um, so state council, so in every party is a state council meeting where members come and they vote on all sorts of issues. So on the 1st of June for... Uh, Last Saturday, the CDP had a state council, like always, and you know the chairperson opened with prayer, and there was no conference motion as soon as he concluded. And the motion was seconded, he ruled out of order, and there was a motion of dissent raised, and so just so everyone understands what that is. Um, if yeah, the chair, there's a lot of people who don't understand, including so, so me. What, what, so, it starts with no conference motion, so yeah, no, no conference motion is simply the party membership doesn't feel confident that the board can do its job. Right. And if that passes, it's the, the board gets that. Right. And so what is the, who are the board? What does the board do? What's their so role the in the party? the board, they essentially make the big political decisions on behalf of the membership. So membership elects the board to represent them and make all the choices on their behalf. Yeah. And that's what they're meant to do. So make choices in the interest of the party for the benefit of the party, but not mm. out of self-interest. Mm. And so no conference motion was to dissolve the board. And that was seconded and, and um, the, the chairperson and president of the party rules out of order. And that's in his right to do that. He's a chairperson. He can say, oh... Yeah. So out of order means... Uh, that was whatever the chair wants it to mean. So right. Basically, the chair says, I don't like the motion. I'm going out of order. Okay. And if he does that, um, I believe the uh, Incorporated Associations Act 2009 outlines um, certain rules regarding uh, not-for-profit meeting procedures. And if mo uh, something like that's ruled out of order, members can then move a motion of dissent which is to challenge the board, uh, the chairperson's ruling. And if that's seconded, then it becomes a legal matter. Yeah. So that the chairperson then has to step aside and the party has to then nominate a temporary chairperson until that ruling's um, you know, discussed mm. and voted upon. And of course, so we did that. We moved a motion to dissent, challenging his you know, out-of-order ruling. It was seconded. And what do you know? He ruled that order too. Um, <laughs> right. Which... It, and that, at that point, everyone in the room just kind of froze a bit because you had their side um, not knowing what the heck's going on. Then you had the people who supported us kind of wondering how the chairperson can, can yeah. just go, completely go against the legal yeah. um, proceeding. And so mm. there, was a bit, there was a couple of moments of silence and then it kind of broke out until everyone just, yeah. that's legal, no, that's legal, no, that's legal. And what it ended with was the chair saying, I oh, during the meeting and you just kind of marched out with, Right. Uh, 15 to 20 members. Okay. And so what then happened was 35 members stayed. They voted to continue the meeting. Um, it was seconded. We nominated a temporary chairperson, a temporary secretary to chair the meeting and to take minutes. Mm. Um, we went back to the motion of dissent. That was passed. We went back to the no conference motion. That was passed. Then we moved a motion after lots of um, discussion and debate to establish a special committee to investigate the parties and drill issues. That was passed. We took nominations of floor. Mm. Um, that was passed. We got five committee members, and then the state council came to a close. Okay, it was all very civilized. A lot of court. stuff. A lot of stuff we covered there. Yeah. Two questions. 
Um, the first is for Josh. Who who's the chairperson who we're dealing with? Um, and who, who's in? The, are there any key players in the board that uh, the viewers at home need need to know or not really? Yeah. So there were there are two key players. The first is the chairperson and state president Ross Clifford, principal of Moreland College, and I believe Reverend also in the Baptist Church. And the second uh, player whose status on the board is kind of wavy at the moment is um, Paul Green, the former NLC in the upper house for the CDP. Right. Um, so from my understanding, uh, Ross, Ross on the board, um, from what I've heard from the members, his position there is just kind of to secure um, his future as a member of parliament taking Fred's seat. Yeah. So as Fred Nelson is on press conference Fred yesterday, Nile. Reverend Fred Nile, um, he said that Ross was he would nominate Ross as has nominate Ross as his successor, and that's why Ross is so determined to be on the board um, to keep that kind of deal going on. And Paul Green's on the board. Um, actually, he's on the board based on the fact that he was a member of Parliament, and um, the, the president didn't really want to tell him he's on the board anymore. Mm. That's why Paul was on there. And from my understanding, um, Paul Green wanted to also roll the board um, to become the state president and you know, put someone else as state director and then hopefully take Fred's seat. Mm. Um, that's what the power plays were happening. And so what mm. we did was essentially get rid of all that, just sack the entire board and you know, put, the, put the process to a vote by the membership uh, to increase transparency and restore mm. the party's internal processes. Okay, huge. Well, um, before we understand, before we go in and talk about what actually happened in the party, which led to the no confidence and people being dissolved and, and the yeah. board being uh, a bit topsy-turvy. Joel, what was your role in this? Because I did see you on Facebook giving, giving a little public speaking speech, <laughs> yeah. a little rabble-rousing <laughs> appeal to the membership. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, it was, I thought it was quite good. Uh, cheers. Um, look, it was just... Um, I, I was the one that put the, the motion forward. Um, and I think we'll, 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 as we get into this about what the fake news and how they've been sort of reporting this. The damn fake this, news. Damn fake news, what can you do? Fake news. Well, this is why we need people like you do, to, to get go around yeah, it. Yeah, too nice. Um, <laughs> exactly, and hold us accountable as well. So with, um, I was the one that put the motion forward of no confidence. Mm-hmm. I, um, I'm not the disgruntled employer. That's at, in all the articles that comes up as Samrat, who, who's, mm-hmm. uh, they say is, a, correct me if I'm wrong, a disgruntled yeah. ex-employee or something like that. Um, it was me that put it forward. It always a lot of issues start with an Arab, and <laughs> and um, no different. Exactly. There you go. And um, and look, it, it just wasn't. It wasn't respected. And as Samrat said, that was um, that was something he backed me up on, and uh, and we saw it through. And and the lovely young lady that was seconding our motions wasn't backing down as well. Neither were the thirty five members that were with us. And mm. uh, yeah, so um, so Samrat and I, um, we've been trying to work this out mm. um we've been helping each other and advising each other on how best to proceed how best to prepare for this meeting because mm. it's not the first time this has been um unsuccessfully achieved um uh, by other people this we we see this of course as a, as a successful rather a successful attempt um and and unfortunately it shouldn't have been left to us to do it um there were a lot more a lot older, a lot more experienced, a lot wiser people mm. who have failed at this in the past, mm. and we're incredibly happy with the gains that we've made. Mm. Um, so just for just for people, sure. yeah. um, you've uh, you've you've turned a party a little bit upside down. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of well-established people in that party 
Um, just for maybe interest at home, how old are each of you? Uh, 18. 18. 22. 22, right? So you've got a few young guns in here. <laughs> yeah. um, very interesting. So the results, and I do want to get to, to the, what actually led to this, but yeah. in terms of the results, you've, got, you've had the old guard kind of on the way out and you've elected a few new officials. And I think, well, you guys are among them, right? Yeah. So what's your roles now in, in the CDP? So there's a directional committee that was democratically elected by the members. Um, I'm the chair of that committee, Joel's also on the committee, and we have three other members. And contrary to what the media is saying, it isn't like a rebel youth group. The other members are, I believe, 35 and 60, so there are a vast age range of members on mm -hmm. this committee to advise us. Mm -hmm. And they were all voted on on the day. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, all 35 members present were signed on to this, mm -hmm. and um, they knew what they were voting for. Okay, and so what's the job of this uh, five-person committee? So the committee's primary role of the committee is to investigate the party's internal issues, so what led to the no-confidence motion, the various party breaches, um, issues with the constitution, and where the party's kind of headed in the future as well. Mm. So it's essentially, as described by the state director, almost like an interim board mm. until a new board's elected at the October state convention. Okay, so the October state convention is when people can expect a new board. Yeah. Uh, do you guys want to be on that board? No. No, we have no. The, the, we we had a meeting last night with the people who were um, elected to this temporary committee, who have been empowered for the next three months to do what Samurai mm. said to investigate these issues. Not one of us intends on this happening. Um, many of the people that were elected on the day had no plans of staying on the board. They were thrust into it, and but we're very very glad they they've agreed to it because that I think that adds to the credibility. Um, of their mm. intentions and what we're trying to do. Mm. No, we don't want to stay on for it. Mm. Yeah. Now, you might not be able to answer this question, um, but what type of stuff are you actually going to be looking at um, as that temporary committee over the next few months until so, October? So, um, in terms of internal party issues, one of the things, uh, this is on public record that we're looking at, are things um, like board members' involvement in party breaches, such as in 2015, during the election campaign then, there was a, trans a large transfer of money from an office account to the federal campaign account, or state federal campaign account. And that's um, caused the party to narrowly miss a Supreme Court prosecution. And members of the board knew that was illegal and they did it anyway. And so that's um, one example. And the penalty for that is, a, I think it's a two-year jail sentence. And so members of the board narrowly escaped that as well. And so it's those kind of issues that have been rattling through the party for the last decade that mm. we're going to investigate. So board members' involvement in various breaches of regulation mm. and whether or not they knew what they were doing mm. and that was against the law. Mm. Now this has come, uh, these developments have come after what I understand to be an underwhelming election result for the CDP yeah. uh, and that probably threw some support in your corner for some reform. Um, do you think internal issues contributed to that election result? Absolutely. I mean, it's... Many people in the party, um, from what I've heard, didn't, didn't want Savannah as lead Senate candidate. I believe there were about less than 15 people in the room during mm. her nomination, her pre-selection. Right. She was the Senate? Yep, lead Senate, Senate candidate for the most recent federal election. Mm -hmm. um, it's that kind of small group making decisions mindset and only as, you know, the board kind of pushing onto the members of what they want. For example, at the state convention last year, 
what usually is, what's meant to happen in a political party is that you have a convention where you vote on board members. So you, you know, nominate someone and you vote on it. What the board did last year was they themselves said, okay, here are the board members you're going to vote on. We just want you to ratify it. And so that's the kind of right. processes that they're, they're kind of subverting um, yeah. to keep their own interests. Yeah. Okay, very interesting. Um, so we've touched on it a little bit, um, but why don't you run us through some of the key events or uh, key happenings uh, which cause you and other people to start losing faith in the board uh, and, the, and the people well, who are running the, the party? the most recent one, really. So um, political parties have something called a party agent, right? They look after electoral expenditure, um, party budgets, and kind of they're like the law of the party. Um, and our party agent, Philip Gerber, from my understanding, is employed by the state president separately um, and does stuff for Moreland College where the state president is the principal. And so he was nominated um, and selected to be the party agent, which creates the first conflict of interest, right? So you've got a party agent who tells the party what laws are and you know, where the party stands on certain issues, and that party agent is employed by the state president separately somewhere else. So you've got to kind of think, okay, if there's an issue that threatens the president, um, is the party agent going to give the proper advice or kind of give advice that benefits him so he doesn't lose his job over there? Mm. And that's the first kind of conflict that we have seen um, that's kind of prompted this even more. And there's a whole lot of issues, you know, accusations of nepotism, um, of you know, just general incompetence in the board. Like, for example, the role of the president of the party is to set a vision and to govern party based on what members want it to be like. So, you know, be involved in the media, be involved pushing campaigns, be involved in you know, trying to encourage members to recruit and encourage candidates. Um, and our president, uh, he didn't do any of that. He just sat at a board, gave us a little preaching before state council, um, and that was it. He would just disappear. Mm. You know, out of the shadows, he emerge once a month, give a great mm. Baptist sermon and then disappear again in the shadows. Mm -hmm. And that was the kind of way we worked. And when, whenever there was an issue in the party, he would come step back and be like, oh, I'm not involved with this. Just, you, you just solve those issues yourself. Um, whenever there was a question asked to him about certain issues, he would just deflect it and like a lightsaber, just, he's just a mm. Jedi, just, <laughs> you know, just shoot him from all right. angles and just deflects it all. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And that's the kind of leadership we're trying to get rid of. Is leadership that doesn't care about the party or their own interests. Mm -hmm. All right, we had a quick intermission, took a few important calls, um, talked to a few lawyers, a few important people, a few of the people running the world, um, <laughs> and now we're going to be back. And um, you're just about to tell us what's really important to remember. Yes, um, so the party agent Philip Gerber, he used to come in the office a lot every now and then when I was um, employed by the party uh, to speak with the state director. You know, I, I asked some various questions about regulations, etc. And he told me um, that if, you know, just out of curiosity, I was asking about you know, motions and how those pass the state council. And he told me that if there was no conference motion on the board and it was seconded and passed, and that's just it. That's just how it goes. Um, and then recently on Twitter, he tweeted saying, oh, that no conference motion was out of order, illegal, you can't do that, da da da. Um, so it's interesting to see the party agent kind of almost backflipping on what he said before okay. and just changing his legal advice. Okay, well we don't have Phil in the studio. It'd be nice to talk to Can him. Can bring him up? Um, now, hey, what's... Phil. Um, Phil, how are you going? Um, but feel free to drop us a comment, Phil. Um, <laughs> tell us what you think. Now, what's the uh, 
so the current board people, the people who were on the board, mm-hmm. what, what are they doing now? So Fred is doing Fred. Um, yeah, let's talk about Fred. In Parliament, doing what he does. Um, I don't know what that is. He doesn't really inform us much about that. So he's doing what Fred does. Um, Ross, on the other hand, is, as I said, just full Jedi mode, deflecting, uh, making up some random stuff to try and defend his position, uh, trying to pin it on me as a disgruntled employee, making it personal, saying it's an attack against Fred. And that's what he's doing. So he's... They, they're not taking it seriously for some reason. And I don't think they realise that you know, this isn't simply a youth rebel movement. It's not some random teenagers just moving motions, that there are lawyers behind this. And there are laws behind this and legal processes behind this. Mm-hmm. And you know, there will be a case presented within the next couple of days mm-hmm. that will challenge what they've said. It will make them look absolutely stupid. At Fred's press conference, Ross was quoted as saying, oh, you know, it's all business as usual. Nothing's gone on. It's just, you know, nothing happened. Um, and when we get contra advice to that, when we have lawyers say, oh, actually, um, this law, this law, this law, this law, this law says otherwise, it'll be interesting to see how he deflects that. Um, okay. That's where we're at at the moment. Looking forward to it. So as I'm still a bit unclear. Do those guys, are they still in the job or not? No. So it's, they, at the moment, the media is portraying them as kind of they're kind of not there um the party membership has no idea what's going on they just like who, who's in charge now mm. um so officially in a sense the party is under the administration of the state director so in the absence of the board or the committee the state director just controls the party funds and the party administration at the mm. moment um, so that's where it's at at the moment okay and um let's talk a little bit about fred fred i understand is a big personality in uh in the CDP, and I, I'm not very familiar with the CDP or with Fred. Yeah. Um, but you've tweeted, I think, a little bit about him, made like Facebook post um, regarding, I think, Fred and the fake news yeah. um, that's been surrounding the events. Why don't you give us your take on both Fred and the fake news? So I'll give you the fake news first. So what the media is saying is that um, that I've seized power of the party. <laughs> I've, I've, I've taken absolute control. You know, I am the state council. I am the Senate. I am the Senate. And that I'm vying for Fred's seat. So uh, one of the questions they asked me, I think, I don't remember which news channel it was, they asked if, um, if I intended to take a seat. No, uh, yeah, and yeah I, Channel I just, 7. That was, it was Channel 7. Yeah, that's fine. No, I, I don't. And that's the media they're pushing. That's the story they're pushing, is that it's a young... A teenager trying to take over the party, get Fred's seat, and and it's just angry, really. Mm. And that this is all targeted Fred. Mm. Um, and what's really going on is this is ang- it is an angry teenager, but you know, an angry membership as well, and an angry Australia behind that. Mm. The angry and ineffective board, mm. an incompetent chair, and an incompetent president. Mm. Mm. And that's what it's about. It's not yeah. about Fred. Yeah. He just happens to be on the board that we believe is incompetent, yeah. and that's why. Yeah, he's been sacked with the board. And yeah. Did you want to say anything, Joe? Yeah, look, we're not into, I think, if anything's demonstrated from our interviews, we're not into ad hominem attacks. It's, we're not interested in that. We're not interested in power. We're, we're merely interested in upholding what, the, what we're seeing from the base of the Christian vote. We're finding we've, we've come into a party where we've been, you know, you've been a member for a couple of years now, you, you know exactly what's going on. They're not happy with what's going on. They're not happy with their so-called leaders who have, been, who have led them down this path where they've broken multiple AEC regulations. 
As a result, many people have tried to stop them. They have failed. We just, we just happened to come in at a time where no one else wanted to stand up. That's why we're so young, because it shouldn't be us. Everything says it shouldn't be us, but it is us. We've empowered, um, we've been empowered from this uh, council, um, from this meeting that we had on Saturday to change it. And, and it's as simple as that. No, none of us want to stay on. Um, this is not an attack against Fred Noll. He's made a significant contribution to the parliament, the New South Wales State Parliament, the long, longest serving member, correct me if I'm wrong. Um, but he should have honoured his promise on three occasions where he said he'd resign. And he has not done that. And many of the members know that and they're not happy with him. So change has to come in order for this party to continue. And we did that following the legal uh, steps on the weekend and have tried to be silenced. And I always decide to err on the side of more speech, more freedom, more discussion, um, rather than shutting it down and calling the meeting adjourned. I, why not um, discuss it? And I think you see that in the video that you mentioned last night, where you see this um, young lady get up wearing red and she says, the reason I hung around is because I saw that they were trying to shut down what was going on here. Well, I wanted to stay, and I'm glad I stayed, because I, I saw what you guys are doing, and she seemed shocked, um, and she ended up voting um, in support of this committee uh, for the next three months to investigate these errors. And I, I don't see any harm that could come from this. If nothing comes from this, then they've got nothing to worry about. But they're doing everything to the contrary, and we're not going off. We're not targeting anyone. We're targeting the crimes which are being committed right here. So... Okay, very interesting. Um, so, what, what, where does the CDP go? What do you? What's your vision for the CDP? Um, not necessarily that you'll be in control of it, but what would you like to see the CDP develop into? Because it was it seemed like quite unpopular at the last. So I election. think the we do have our own ideas of where we would like it to go, and we would suggest to members. Mm. But ultimately, what this is about is about giving the members the, the opportunity to voice where they think the party should go. Mm. Because of the past 30 years, it's just been top-down um, dictation of what the party will do, what the party policy will be, and you know, where the party will go. And so we want to we ask members, get their suggestions, provide them with all the options, and say, here you are, you can have a vote, and be informed about all the options, and make the decisions yourselves. So it's not imposed upon you from the top, because of self-interest, because you know we want to sit in Parliament or something, or because we're trying to hide crimes we've committed. Um, it's, it's about the members having a say and the members having the mm. last say in the situation. Well, that is um, some of the arguments made, from what I understand it, for the democratisation of the New South Wales Liberal Party, uh, where people are fed up with some of the people at the top, some, some would argue factional bosses. Um, but what issues? I, I want to get more to a bit of the party philosophy and a bit more what, what the, where the party stands on, on issues. What are, the, what are the issues that you think the, the CDP is strong on and that they care about and on which they could contribute to the kind of national debate? So The membership, I assume we're talking about. So sure, the whole about party. policy cool. platform, yeah. um, what people have to remember, and this is the issue that, um, that Paul Green had um, and much of the board, when they talk about party policy... Um, the only effect minor parties have in Parliament is on social policy, not economic policy. So what the party has done in the past is brag about the, the economic, um, yeah, right. economic benefits New South Wales has had since we've had members elect in Parliament. 
um, which weren't caused by us, they were just caused by us participating in votes by the Liberal Party. Um, and what the party has neglected to do is focus on the social issues we'd have impact on. For example, there was a move a couple of years back to change church zoning and restrict it only industrial areas. And our party was significantly behind the move to protect church zoning. Um, but we didn't advertise that. We advertised the fact that we voted with the Liberals about some power line issue. Um, mm. And that's another thing the members are trying to fight against. And so the party's strongest is on those social issues, you know, protecting conservative Christian values in the parliament and you know, having a Christian input in laws passed by the government. Mm. And that's where minor parties really reign supreme. And the party has been capitalising on that. Right. So if you could just give a, a quick fire on some of the issues, some of the social issues which you'd like to see the CDP contributing to. Well, I mean, there's abortion, there's... Uh, religious youth, freedom. Religious freedom, euthanasia, euthanasia, freedom freedom of speech. And that's religious freedom for our yeah. Muslim brothers and sisters as well. Let's not forget that. And that is on recording in front of that audience um, mm. on Saturday night. Um, that, that's just that's for just to rattle off a few. And also, it's, um, not, it's not just explicitly social policy like this is you know, religious freedom but also implementing social policies into other regulations and laws for example you know if if the government's moving to sell some power company or some power station you know, having um compassionate amendments there to have the people working there you know, keep the jobs for another year or two so they can have time to find you know, other working places and like also things like that so it's mm. not just pushing for overtly um, conservative mm. values, but also having those values implemented in other mm. parliamentary policies. Well, talking about uh, religious freedom, freedom of speech, um, does did members of the CDP have uh, any particular feeling towards Israel Folau and uh, and his his comments and the way he's been treated by Australian rugby union and the media in general? Complex issue. Complex issue. I mean, the content isn't wrong. But the, the way he said it can be um, questioned. But then you've got the issue of when you talk about religious freedom and you know, freedom of speech, does that apply to every individual? As in, you can't impede on his freedom of speech or, or that private company can't mm. bar mm. that person from saying something? Or does that apply to the government? So only the government can't impede on freedom of speech. Mm. And so it comes down to that kind of question, what you value. Mm-hmm. So it's a hard sure. issue. For sure. Personally, my my knee-jerk reaction is um, there's just a range of issues. My knee-jerk reaction is to say, back him. This is um, a free speech issue. It doesn't matter what religion they're from. They they have the right, as long as they're not inciting violence, to say whatever the hell they want. Then then they get into the issue of contract law. You can look at it from mm. uh, Rugby Australia as a private company. Now that's something I'm just mm. ill-informed about. Um, and I've only followed it from the American perspective with the kneeling uh, during the, uh, the national anthem over there during mm. games and all that. Um, it is obviously a complex issue, but I think a lot of the Christians um, in Australia, um, especially some of the significant organisations, are tackling it from the perspective of, but Israel Folau is not only from, um, is it the Torres Strait Islanders? Yeah. Is it, he's not only a part of that, but he's also a religious group um, because Christianity has been merged with the Torres Strait Islander identity, so it it actually comes under the racial, um, under racial discrimination. So it gets even more complicated. Right. So that so that's one way of looking at it. But another way for us Christians, because we are, this is one of the social issues we talk about. It's it's even more divided. 
you see a lot of people they just um, they don't see it that way mm. they, they, they see Christianity um, it, it, Christians in Christianity the, what, what Israel Folau said it didn't represent their view on, on mm. Christianity and, and Jesus' teachings I, I beg to differ I think if you look at the full like once again fake news the way they reported it they took a snippet of what he said they completely missed what he said beforehand saying how I hope he was saying something along the lines of I hope that um, many of these homosexuals will come to know the love of Jesus Christ so it sort of implied to me this is coming from a good place this is coming from mm. he truly believes that this way of living is wrong that it's not to the benefit of those people and he's hoping for a better way from them he's, he didn't he wasn't enforcing anything he was in a private location in, in his fa- in his family church and yeah I think it was wrong mm. that so you can look at it from many different perspectives so I, I don't have a solid view on it but as mm. I said my knee-jerk reaction is a free speech issue now I guess that the natural um, I guess I guess I have a natural feeling that one of the things the Christian Democratic Party would like to do is is see Christianity flourish and kind of promote Christianity spread Christianity um, what do you guys see as the the value of Christianity in, in Australia today and where do you guys kind of see the state of Christianity? Do you think it's it's improving and, and developing and contributing or do you think it might be on the decline? I think Mark Latham put it best in his maiden speech in Parliament when he talked about you know Christianity kind of being the foundation of Australia. So it doesn't matter if you know um, if we have everyone's a Christian in the country, everyone subscribes to religion. But if you don't have a Christian foundation, this country kind of falls apart. I think Mark Zimmerman did a report a couple of years back for the Western Australian Jurist. Um, it's called, uh, I think it was the Christian Commonwealth of Australia. And we did a report about how um, Christianity is so intertwined with Australia's constitutional law that if you take all the Christians out of the country, um, it just, you know, it, it collapses because the value system is based on religious system. So you can't really separate the two. Mm. So this country can be a Muslim country, it can be a Hindu country. Mm. It doesn't need to be a majority Christian country, but at its core, it has to remain Christian because that's what its constitution, its laws are based on. Mm. Now we have the parliament opens with a, you know, a, a prayer, a Christian prayer. Um, the preambles of all the state constitutions have acknowledgement of God, and and that's you know, an echo of early Australia being so rooted in a certain set of values that align only with Christianity and not with mm. religion. What do you think those values are? So, um, you know, equality of man, that's one, one of the biggest values. The fact that every person is equal under law and under God. Um, other religions don't really subscribe to that. There's, you know, um, in Islam, women are worth less than men in some instances. Mm, in, in Hinduism, you have the caste system. Um, you know, there's all those issues in those cultures which are intertwined with their religion. You can't separate their culture and religion. And another you know, value is the rule of law. The idea that, um, that there is a government set up in this country and you know, give to Caesar what is Caesar. You have to obey the laws of the country um, and not you know, keep toppling everything over whenever you feel like it and set up your own Sharia courts or set up your own um, pagan town or county or whatever people do nowadays. And so those are kind of the two foundational aspects. The, the rule of law, um, the equality of man, and lastly, would be religious freedom. You know, um, 
that was pushed during the Protestant Reformation, you know, after the Treaty of Westphalia, when the, the Holy Roman Empire kind of almost imploded between a war for Catholics and Protestants. And they came to the agreement that we should respect people's choice of religion and allow them to freely practice it and not have state religion and, and impose it on people. And that the whole separation of church and state is a, you know, a foundation established by Christianity. Mm. And so that's very important to Australia as well. I, I'm educated on this. I watched a bit on from Stephen Shavura, uh, who's a... Um, excellent uh, I think lecturer and professor at uh, Macquarie University he teaches philosophy and from a historian perspective he says Australia doesn't necessarily have a separation of churches and state as America may have it's and I don't want to mischaracterize what he says but my understanding is that when in our constitution where it says there's a separation of church and state it's referring to um, or, or that we have a secular sort of government it's referring to funding towards the churches. It's not referring to um, where we get our morality from, because morality is how we, it's it's where we get it from is how we govern, um, and how we create our laws. That's and where else are you going to get it from? You know, the, I've seen hundreds hundreds of hours of debates, whether that be between Jordan Peterson and um, Sam Harris, where Jordan Peterson says, no, you can't just get rid of. Um, what's what we get, all that we learn from Christianity. You can't get that just from facts and science. You need to ground it in something. And whether that's from um, divine revelation as Christianity um, you know, proposes to have and as we believe, and then that's the way to go. But we definitely didn't get from the enlightenment, that's for sure. And a lot of the, the things we enjoy today, a lot of the rights are from Christianity. But history, people just don't know their history, so they don't know that. Mm. Mm. Okay, I think there's probably some discussions to be had about the um, contributions to morality from Christianity. I think we all probably benefit a lot from that. I do think it's hard to replicate um, the value that all men are made in the image of God. I think that's hard to replicate in, in science and, and um, enlightenment morality. Um, but... Nonetheless, I think we can have a religious discussion for another day. Another day. Um, I had a great one with uh, Josh after the election live stream. Yeah. Um, and uh, if you want to see more of these boys, we've got 6 hours and 36 minutes of it. If you want to go and check out that other <laughs> video, I'll put a link in the description. Um, is there anything else you'd like to say before we finish up with a few housekeeping uh, announcements? Um, well, I guess it would just be that what's happened with CDP is not over yet. Um, no. Ross, the old board, might say it's all settled, done and dusted, but there is a legal case you presented, and there are many, many more skeletons in the closet that I'm just being made aware of as we speak. People are texting about um, various reports and, and uh, crimes that they're now reporting to the Electoral Commission regarding mm. members of the previous board. And so that will come to light later in the coming mm. weeks too. Okay, coming weeks. So that's when we can expect development? Yep. Mm. Okay, beautiful. Uh, now, where can people find these developments and where can people follow you guys? So you can find, uh, I'll be uploading, I think, this video. You'll give me a copy to my YouTube channel, Joel Jamal. Um, you can follow me on Facebook. I, I, I make my, my posts public. So I've got nothing to hide. Um, and uh, on Twitter, I, I think, Samra, you yeah. account? And I've got uh, an official Facebook page that you will tag. I will. You'll uh, be able to find everything 
in the description. Mm. Um, thanks for being with us uh, in the Carnage House. It's been very fun. Um, hope to bring you uh, some more updates as we go. Uh, and I'm looking forward to it. I think it, it'll be a lot of fun. Um, awesome. So if you like what you saw, feel free to like, share, subscribe, comment. We'd be keen to hear what you thought about CDP, uh, the recent developments. I'm sure these boys would love to hear as well. Um, so we will see you shortly, and thanks for being with us. Awesome. Cheers for this, Dougal. No problem. Bye-bye. Yeah.